Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. The Gospel of the Lord. So, yeah, I scroll through Twitter a few times a day. I've got the TV tuned to the news in my office. But sometimes it just gets to be a little bit much. I get a little overwhelmed. There's, it just seems like there's a lot of ego and greed and lying and manipulation and sometimes just pure hate. And it just, it just gets to be a little much. I don't know if it's an indicator of our culture as a whole or if it is filtering down from the top, but it seems like we see it in daily life as well. I wish things were different. You remember after 9-11, out of one of the most horrific events that could possibly happen, there was actually something good that came out of it, even though it was temporary. It seemed like, if you remember, those few days after 9-11, things changed. People were just different. United, people were giving to each other. People were considerate of each other. Things changed, people changed. There was just a, a different mindset somehow. With this passage in Luke, it's a mirror copy of what we see in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew with just a few differences. Jesus starts with the blessings for those who are poor, who are hungry, and who weep, and then he gives warnings to those who are rich or arrogant, or overly content. And then the text says this. Jesus says, But I say to you that listen. Now, I just assumed that everyone was listening. Jesus was there to talk to them. They were there to listen to him. 
but he was trying to capture their attention. I think he was trying to say, listen, if you really want to know how to live, if there's going to be real change, if you really want to repent, not in the hellfire and brimstone kind of a way, but in the way that it was originally meant in the original language, which just meant a changing of your mind, a different mindset, a different perspective, Jesus is saying, listen, this is how you do it. Theologians remark on this passage, and especially the latter half of this passage, that these are the ethics of Jesus. They're actually the first commands that he gives in the book of Luke. And he is saying these are the principles that we are to guide our lives by, our daily choices. And in order to build that new mindset, we have to make these choices on a regular basis, over and over again, to make it into a habit. And when I read this, what I see is obviously it all starts with a foundation of love, not an overly sentimental kind of emotional kind of love that has its place, but Jesus is talking about taking action with our love. Those are the ethics that he's talking about. When I read this passage, I see an overarching theme that Jesus is saying the way to live is what I'm this morning going to call the way to live is through Radical generosity. I think even today, if you were to listen to self-help writers or therapists, and if Jesus was just one of those, then it would be expected that Jesus would encourage people to love, to do good, to bless, to pray. We can all agree on those things. Those are pretty easy. It kind of reminds me of the book Eat, Pray, Love. Now, I haven't read that. I haven't seen the movie. So I'm not making a judgment. But, but what I'm saying is those are easy concepts. I can love. I can pray. I love to eat. Those, those things are pretty palatable. Those things sell books. But the way of living that Jesus is talking about goes way beyond that. He wants us to love our enemies. And you think to yourself, I don't really have any enemies. Although there is that one, right? <laughs> you can think. So think of whoever that one is and that you would go out of your way to show them love. To do good to hateful people. To pray good things into the lives of abusers. And then he gives examples on how to do it. If anyone hits you, turn the other cheek. If anyone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt. He says, if anyone takes your goods, do not ask for them back. When it comes to giving, who does it say that we are to give to? Everyone. Everyone who asks. Now, does Jesus mean this literally? That we just keep giving our clothes away over and over again? Or that if somebody wants our goods, that we just keep giving until we don't have anything left I'll be honest, I don't know how literal Jesus is trying to be here. I mean, it seems a little extreme, a little impractical, but what I do know, what I think we can see from the text, is that the kind of love and giving and doing good and generosity that is within normal bounds, that, that which is pretty comfortable for the most part, that which is reasonable for nice people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Jesus is talking about something way beyond that. Author N.T. Wright says, 
this. He says, quote, The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the, of the best thing you can do for the worst person and go ahead and do it. Think of what you'd really like for someone to do for you and do it for them. Think of the people to whom you are tempted to be nasty and lavish generosity on them instead. These instructions have a fresh spring-like quality. They're all about new life bursting out energetically, like flowers growing through concrete and startling everyone with their color and vigor. Author by the name of John Cortines, he writes a book called True Riches. And in it, while he's doing his research, he found examples of radical generosity. He found an investment baker who every single year, no matter how much he made, he gave away half. He found a couple in their 70s that gave away their entire retirement nest egg. A woman of modest means gave away her car savings fund to a widow in need. And an entrepreneur who gave away his company. And what he found with all of those people and dozens like them as he did his research is that all of them were shockingly happy. There are a number of scientific and sociological studies that indicate that being generous makes us happier and healthier. So there's a personal upside. Of course, there are small things that you and I can do that can make a difference. Small decisions that sometimes I make and sometimes I'm embarrassed to say I don't make. Like if I'm at the grocery store and I'm swiping my debit card and they ask me, do I want to give a dollar to those in need? And I sheepishly look over my shoulder to see if anybody's paying attention as I mumble under my breath, hmm, maybe not this time. There are opportunities of generosity we'll have every day that we can make a difference for others in and to help establish that new mindset of giving. Just slowing down in traffic as lanes merge to let somebody in, that's, that's being generous on the road. Or it could be this morning as we're filling out our estimate of giving cards and, and placing them up front. That could be a way of just being generous so that this church continues to do the ministry that it has been doing but can do even more in 2020. Or maybe in your personal life, it's starting a new habit to help a spouse or a friend with something that you know is a real burden for them. Or something simple like not interrupting someone as they speak or looking at your phone as they're talking, but truly stopping and listening to what they have to say. Or you go home today and just take out a card, write a note of gratitude to someone that means so much to you and you honestly have never really told them. But I'll be honest, I think Jesus here is asking for more than that. Those examples are good and reasonable. They're good starting points. But this is radical generosity. Countercultural generosity that few reasonable people would do. So what would it mean if each of us in here today made a decision this week to do one thing that is radically generous? I don't know about you, but I'm often encouraged when I see other people being generous or going out of their way to be considerate. It inspires me to live. 
And so what sort of a ripple effect could happen if each and every one of us, out of the couple of hundred people in here, this week we all went out and made one decision to be radically generous? How would others be inspired by us? I think if we were to do that, maybe we wouldn't have to wish so much that things would be different because it would actually be happening. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.